0: Warning The Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. The Westwood One Podcast Network presents The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National
1: Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about another tragedy, another attack, this time on a synagogue. The title of today's podcast is Synagogue Slaughter. Let me ask you, listener, who do you blame? Well, the media blamed Donald Trump immediately, which of course is typical of them. We saw that attack this last weekend on a synagogue in San Diego, the shooter was a well-known anti-Semite who he said himself was not a conservative. He didn't even like Trump. He hated Trump. The media didn't say he hated Trump. They made it sound like he was doing it for Trump. Now, we can't check boxes that we can put people into every time a lunatic, madman, attacks innocent people, whether it be this time in a synagogue or a mosque in New Zealand or a black church in the Carolinas but it seems to me religion has been under attack lately all over the world and we don't have an easy answer as to why but what can we do here to lessen the possibility of such slaughter well the lessons have been learned and we have to come to the realization Uh, as the Israelis learned, that you need to have a Bible in one hand and an Uzi in the other, meaning arm yourself. Many will say, oh, you have to leave it up to God, or it's all part of God's plan. That's nonsense. Faith is good, but blind faith is foolishness. I I wrote a book about this entitled God, Faith, and Reason. I highly recommend my own book. Listen to the last part of that title, God, Faith, and Reason. Reason. God gave you a brain to think for yourself, to make decisions on your own. And that's sort of what separates us from the dumb. We have that ability. Now, there were certain heroes in the synagogue over the weekend, such as the Jewish war veteran who stopped the shooter by running directly at him instead of running away from him and screaming at him in a loud voice, which offset the shooter for a moment.
2: You know, I, I didn't really think about it. I heard the gunshots And I knew what gunshots were, unfortunately. I stood up and uh, I was gonna go, I was gonna run like everyone else. And I took maybe one, two steps. And at the last, you know, and I don't know why, I turned around and I ran towards the gunfire. Uh, When I exited the sanctuary of the synagogue, he was in the lobby. He discharged his firearm twice. I I saw the muzzle flashes and I, as I ran towards him I yelled out you know as loud as I could the, you know every inch of my body mustered this noise and he looked at me he had a look of like fear he was very scared um when I when when, when he heard me I, it sounded. Like, it must have sounded like thunder. I've heard people say all kinds of things. The people in the congregation that were still in the sanctuary, they said it sounded like four men were screaming at, in unison. Uh, the priest at the church across the street said he heard me when he was doing his service. He heard the scream. So it must have been. <laughs> he was pretty. And then he sees this guy barreling down on him with you know yelling obscenities and telling him he's going to kill him. He just, uh, he just dropped his weapon, and he, he didn't know what he was doing. He, his muzzle flashes, they were very uh, sporadic. You saw that he was not, uh, he, he was not a stable shooter. He, hadn't, he didn't have a lot of experience. He was holding the weapon in a, in a manner that it was, he didn't have control of it. And so I, 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 I remember that clearly because I was looking at the barrel, making sure it was not in its way. He dropped his weapon to his side. He had a tactical sling, so it didn't fall to the ground. He turned around and he ran out of the building. Then I continued to chase him. Uh, instinctively, I believe I just—I I was maintaining my distance. You know, I—we've i was trained that if a person has a rifle and you're within a certain number of feet, they can't deploy the rifle against you. I didn't think about that. I just instinctively knew that. I believe because I kept—I kept a I kept, uh, pursuit. As soon as he jumps in his car, he raises his rifle. I punch the car as hard as I could. He puts it back down, starts the car, and in this moment, um, I hear from the background, you know, I have a a gun, clear out, get back. I fall back, and um, Jonathan Morales, the the Border Patrol agent, opens up with five rounds into the car. It was still parked. I want to make that clear. I've been told, oh, he did something wrong. He didn't. He did. He shot uh, at a parked car that and we want, we were trying to keep the guy from going anywhere I, that's what i believe he was doing and i was and i my whole job of trying uh, point of trying to get him out of his vehicle was so he wouldn't go anywhere else i remember the Christchurch shootings where a guy went from one mosque to another there was a church next door there's a grocery store down the street with people just teeming all the time and maybe in i didn't think about that but i think my uh, my instinct kept me from was kept wanted to keep that from happening um, my instinct—I think it was the combination of training and instinct, you know, or just anger, maybe, because um, I, you know, you 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 want to intimidate your enemy, and I was always taught that. Um, that was like a, you know, an ongoing thing. You want to intimidate the enemy. You want to be a hard target. You want to be. You want to appear to be stronger than him. You want to overwhelm him, um, and I, that's what I did. Right, as soon as I ran inside, I saw the rabbi. And I asked him, Are you okay? And he says, Don't worry about me, I'm fine. And uh, he goes, There's, He said, Take care of somebody else. That was amazing to me. Um, in, in retrospect, I looked around. I see Laurie on the ground. I, I jump down. I yelled, somebody help me flip her over so we can start doing CPR. At this point, a doctor, I forget his last name. It, it, you know, I'm so embarrassed about that. But his name is Gil. I call him Gil. We flip her over. He starts doing chest compressions. I start doing breaths. Um, at some point, he gets tired. I, I start doing both the compressions and the breaths. And then a, a Dr. K, her husband, her, Harold, he comes and he begins to do the compressions. He didn't realize who his wife was. Um, his compression, who it was that it was his wife, rather, his compressions were a little slower than I thought. So I took the opportunity to run up and get an AED. I brought it back. We, targed, we, we started to apply it, but he couldn't get a pulse. So he goes, i got to check the pulse. So he, when he, at this point, he puts his hand on his wife's throat, and he faints. He, he must have realized that was his wife. And in hindsight, everyone says that he didn't know he was doing compressions on his wife. He fainted, and at this point, the, the sheriff's deputies come in and take over the CPR for us. Or there was the off-duty
1: patrol border, border Patrol agent who shot the suspect. These are men who realize you don't have to let something happen because they think God wants it to be that way. These are men who know that they have to take matters into their own hands and do it quickly. I think we all have to come to understand that we can't dream or wish for a world that no longer exists. The world of the 1950s is dead. While many things in our lives have gotten easier, many things have gotten more difficult. The freedom that we have taken for granted may not be here forever. There is a danger lurking. There is a danger lurking from all sides. As we become a larger, more, quote, inclusive nation, or a more diverse nation, we've lost the common identity. And now people are looking at others as the enemy. So how do we take actions to protect ourselves from people who see us as an enemy? Whether we be Jewish people in a synagogue in Los Angeles or Christian people in a church. Well, we now live in a world where schools have metal detectors. That's a good idea. We have airplanes that we used to walk on and smoke cigarettes on and drink alcohol in the aisles. No more, right? We have anonymous air marshals. Rightfully so. So we've learned to live in a different world of air travel where guns need to be stopped being banned from churches and synagogues but welcomed into churches and synagogues by responsible adults who will use them if the need arises. There is no guarantee that an armed guard or someone who's carrying arms legally in a place of worship or a school can stop a psychotic but it increases the chance of stopping a killer rather than just leaving it up to God's will. We have to rely upon reason and instinct in these situations. We have to use caveman logic, not Western logic, not Wild West logic, but caveman logic. It may be the only thing that can save us. It's not about the guns either. You now have people carrying machetes under their coats in the streets of uh, big cities. We have lunatics who should be in mental asylums pushing other people in front of moving trains. You have punks beating up people who are elderly in the streets just because they're uh, older white people. And so you have to be aware now all the time. Then you have the Harvard trained lawyers who defend these psychotics and allow them to get away with it with literal murder. Always have sympathy for the devil to them. They will attack you if you try to defend yourself. They will attack the police who are trying to defend us. That's what's going on tonight. But it's better to be judged by X than buried by Y. We can't let the lawyers destroy society entirely. Michael Savage, a host like no other. How many times have people said, oh, I wish this double chin would just go away? From now until Mother's Day, your wish is our command with GenuCell's outrageous Mother's Day sale. Double chins, ugh, sorry, sagging jawlines, turkey necks. Well, they're real problems in most older people. Introducing the new GenuCell jawline treatment formulated with MDL technology. Listen to Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas, who wrote, She said, I put that jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. That is the best my neck has looked at over 20 years. Several people told me my face looks young. I really am happy. Sure, you could use expensive or harsh treatments to look younger, but why would you do that? This is the last week to get the GenuCell jawline treatment absolutely free when you order the classic GenuCell for eye bags and puffiness. And with its instant effects, see results in the first 12 hours. Guaranteed or you get your money back. Please go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com. Or call 800-SKIN-891. That's 800-SKIN-891. A surprise Mother's Day premium gift comes with all orders. Right now, call 800-SKIN-891 or visit Genyacel.com. That's Genyacel.com.
0: The Savage Nation is savage on demand.
1: But let's not forget the role of the media in this madness. They make these killers into stars. They tell us everything about their lives. They make them look like superheroes. You know, you think that deters the next murderer in a synagogue or an airplane? No, that makes the next lunatic sitting in his room alone possibly uh, start to dream about getting national airtime, making him into a celebrity. Did you know that the loser who did this in the synagogue published his manifesto nearly a month before trying to pull off the attack in the same way the New Zealand killer did. The Las Vegas shooter, remember him? He was also said to be looking for a way to go down in history. They see infamy by highlighting every aspect of their sick lives. Then you have certain news networks, such as the evil CNN, blaming this shooting on President Trump. Now, this is the same President Trump who has Jewish grandchildren. Let me repeat this. I want you to see how sick CNN is and how they have to be constrained
3: this is an epidemic and we have a president who will not who not only will not acknowledge that we have an epidemic of white nationalist terror after New Zealand said just a few people, he's providing the mood music for it. That is the reality we face. Yeah, I think the president needs to at some point look in the
4: mirror And you understand that the rhetoric, the words he uses in all of this inflame this big part of what's going on in America, give permission to the most craziest people in America.
1: And it happens in part because there's a climate set at the top of unbelievable, constant lies and hostility. And, and division in this country,
2: not only as policy, but has uh, with his affect. The conspiracy theories cited by these neo Nazis in Pittsburgh and New Zealand, and now outside San Diego, a conspiracy theory that Trump never condemned and actually uh, seemed to support. And we don't know if it has any connection
1: to um, to the politics that's going on. But I mean, it would be a stretch to say that it doesn't.
4: Somebody that's anti-immigrant in California, the anti-immigrant hate and refugees going on in the country, what happened at the tree of life, and then you couple that with the president's
3: language, it's a big problem. And remember, Donald Trump just over the last couple of days have been defending what he said in Charlottesville. And it echoed, called back into our memory, right? Something that just happened not too long ago. What happened in Pittsburgh? Donald Trump and all of this hate Right, It's part of the environment of today, and he he bears some responsibility for it all.
1: You know, there used to be censorship in the movies, because the movies were getting out of control. And then the movie industry started to censor itself, but that's long over. There must be censorship of the news media. I'm, I'm calling for censorship, particularly of those that would blame Donald Trump for this kind of slaughter. This is insane.
3: America's heart is with the victims of the horrific synagogue shooting in Poway, California just happened. Our entire nation mourns the loss of life, prays for the wounded, and stands in solidarity with the Jewish community. We forcefully condemn the evil of anti-Semitism and hate.
1: The president has Jewish grandchildren. Do you know why? Because his beautiful daughter Ivanka converted to Judaism when she married her Orthodox Jewish husband, Jared Kushner. This is a president who has Jewish grandchildren. This is a president who called the rabbi of the synagogue, who lost his fingers in this attack, and comforted him at a time like this.
3: And here we are in the lobby, on one of the holiest days of the year, the last day of Passover, smiling at each other. I turn around, and I see a sight that I... Undescribable. Here is... A young man standing with a rifle pointing right at me and I look at him he had sunglasses on I couldn't see his eyes I couldn't see his soul I froze I my first concern was what's with Laurie and as soon as I did that I took a look and more shots came running right at me and I lifted up my hands I lost my index finger on this hand, after four hours of surgery yesterday, they're trying to save the index finger on the left hand. I turn around and I saw the children that were playing in the banquet hall. I ran to gather them together. My granddaughter, four and a half years old, sees her grandpa with a bleeding hand and she sees me screaming and shouting, get out, get out. She didn't deserve to see her grandfather like this.
1: And yet CNN uh, twisted themselves into such hatred that they made him the reason for racism, anti-Semitism, terrorism. When you consider the language that we have been discussing over the last couple of days, especially with Joe Biden getting, getting into the race, what the president has said, making excuses, revisionist history about what happened in Charlottesville and on and on. One has to wonder as a thinking, rational person, if he means those words Instead of trafficking in big, bigotry, yeah. in racism, in anti Semitism, in hate, and making excuses for us. I want to believe it.
5: You don't believe him. We all saw mm-hmm. and we all know that he didn't say a word about the black churches. We all know yeah. that he didn't say a word condemning Steve King, the congressman from uh, Iowa. So it's time after time after time after time. No.
1: But you, no. you know what I'm we don't you want to believe this. it. You want to. We need
5: to, but I don't know that we can.
1: This is a society that cannot survive. There has to be a recognition that there are mentally ill people in the news business with not intellectual dishonesty, but true madness. But we have to do more. What we have to do is remember that just as schools are generally protected now by armed guards and some schools have metal detectors, so too must houses of worship have armed guards and houses of worship. I do not think it is unreasonable to demand that every police department in the United States of America take some desk jockeys who are sitting there waiting to collect their pension and put them on assignment inside and outside houses of worship when prayer sessions are held during services. Do you know what percentage of police forces do nothing but sit there and count their 401ks all day long and count their pensions. I know it's embarrassing to listen to it. What percentage of a police department could be assigned to houses of worship? We don't need to hire anyone new. We have to reassign desk jockeys to houses of worship. How's that for a solution? That's my solution. Assign desk jockeys from police departments to houses of worship and put metal detectors in every house of worship in America.
0: The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered,
1: and raw. All right, welcome to the Savage Podcast. We are talking today about stopping future attacks on houses of worship. We're also, at this point, talking about guns, is what we are talking about. And if you have comments to make on any of these subjects, you will get on the show. North Carolina Rich Line 3, go ahead, please.
4: When I lived up north, I was afraid of guns. When I moved down south, I became afraid of the law when it comes to it.
1: But I did (laughs) learn
4: something over the last 12 years. I have a sealed weapon and uh, training beyond that. Uh, The more I learned, the less afraid I became, as I said, of of weapons. I also learned a lot of things. Uh, in Florida. Say that
1: again. When you lived up north, you were afraid of guns. When you moved down south, you what?
4: Well i when I moved down south, I got more involved, and I started to learn more about it up north It's very difficult to get a concealed weapon from a
1: oh no, but up north, you're afraid of guns down south. what are you afraid of?
4: Well, no it's not that I was afraid of it, I didn't know anything about them and when I went down south, I learned more because I actually got formal training
1: right the southerners are are more uh, um macho and more gun 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 savvy yeah you're gonna you're in plain English. The Southerners have a gun culture, and they're not afraid of the weapons, and they know how to use them. Right?
4: Exactly. Exactly. They're be- better trained, like in shotguns for hunting and and rifles and so on. Uh, what I
1: was—that's why most of the military consists of Southerners, by the way. Most of the officer corps are from the no- south.
4: Nothing, nothing wrong with that. I, the
1: point I want—well, it is according to the lawyers who run run America and run the media. There, they're all Nazis and uh, things. Well, like the, that. Well, the lawyers are. According to the media, everyone who owns a gun is a Nazi.
4: <laughs> uh, not not so. very. Except
1: their own guards, of course. Sorry.
4: <laughs> well, I, what, one thing, I, as a citizen, there is training out there. When you go for licenses, they give you a psychological test so that if you carry a weapon for a corporation, they have access to that. Uh, the position I was in, I did carry a weapon for 12 years. I was trained by ex-police.
1: All right, well, thank you. So when you lived in the North, you're afraid of guns, and you live in the South, you're afraid of lawyers. You didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing what you should have said. Wow. I want to tell you that at this point in the podcast, we're going to play the montage of the media blaming the synagogue attacks on Trump. We are going to play a little later on in the podcast, the CNN panel saying, don't believe Trump when he says he condemns the synagogue shooting. If you can believe this, we're going to play um, Mr. Trump himself on the synagogue shooting. We're going to play all of the naysayers out there who blame him for everything. But I want to hear from you. Look, you're the Americans out there. You're the listeners of the Savage Nation. The question today was, what must be done to stop future attacks on houses of worship, right? Let's go to Matt in Marin County, California, of all places. Matt, are you there? Welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Dr. Savage. I was listening to your program earlier, and... uh about five years ago, my mother got her license to carry a concealed weapon in Michigan for her very large, uh, mountain, uh, church. And, uh, she is one of the people randomly, um, every Sunday who is chosen to, uh, keep guard. And my church here in Marin, I know for a fact that the guys, uh, that kind of keep guard and keep watch, uh, during the service, uh, they, they, they have concealed weapons as well.
1: But are they allowed, are they, do they have CCWs, or are they just armed on their own, let's say? My mom does have a
4: CCW in Michigan. I don't know about the guys in my church. It's just not talked about or anything.
1: No, no, you can't talk about it. Are you in Marin County? Yes, sir. Well, we won't talk any further because there are only six or seven CCWs in the entire county. I doubt very much that the, um, uh, the sheriffs will, in this county would, would permit anyone to defend themselves in a church. Legally. Legally. I guarantee you they'd rather see you carried out on a stretcher. I wanted to thank you so much. You sent me uh, God, Faith, and Reason a couple years ago, and uh, it's one of my very favorite books. I can use a copy of it myself right now. I have a migraine from this weekend. (laughs) All right. No, this is not a pleasant time to be a man of faith or a woman of faith in this country, is it? Uh, You're not kidding. Can you imagine a woman going... Can you imagine a family on a Sunday morning in this country? Or today, a Jewish family on a Saturday morning, getting up, getting ready to go to a synagogue and not knowing if if the children are going to come home alive or if there's a maniac who's going to burst through the door with an automatic weapon. How do you even do that? How do you even do that today? Thinking about it. People cannot give up their faith because of the maniacs who are out there, can they? No, absolutely not. No, so the churches have to arm themselves. The parishioners have to defend themselves, legally, of course. And I thank you so much for listening to the show and for calling the program. And we'll go to the next caller. New York City, Sandy, Line 6. How would you defend yourself in a church?
5: Uh, actually, Dr. Savage, I own a school. Uh, I have about 80 students, and I'm opening up another school. We're in a very nice socioeconomic uh, area, and I have a twenty-two on me right now. I carry it at all times. I'm licensed to carry a gun. New York State gave me the license, but they will not allow me to carry it in my own school. It's my judgment call. If something happens, I feel that my responsibility is to protect these children. However, yeah,
1: You will go to jail because it, schools are gun-free zones, even with a CCW, right?
5: Yes. It, it, I'm, I'm licensed by the Office of Children and Family Services because I have younger children. If you're a peace officer, a police officer, something to that effect, you may carry a gun. Now, when I went for my license, which was a six-month process, ironically, the judge, I knew I didn't think he would give me the license to carry at work. It turns out I received my doctorate from the same university um, where he went to law school. And mm. um, he kind of gave me a little leeway. And what he actually said to me is, uh, what are you going to do with the gun when you're at work? And I kind of said, well, I'll put it in a gun safe in the car. And he said, well, how are you going to protect the children? Mm. See, I, I live in a conservative area.
1: You know that that's so important. Something we're talking about guns now and gun safety and churches and synagogues. You can't lock these things up and use them in a minute or a second. No. How, how can, can you go to a gun case and get a combination out while a guy's shooting?
5: Right, and as the gun instructor said, he said something very important that you've clarified. You have to be ready to kill someone.
1: I have. You, you mean as a trained user of a defensive weapon in such a setting? Yes. Yes,
5: I have to be trained and willing to use it. And you know what? If I use it and I save 80 children in a building, they're going to try to lock me up. Everybody's going to come up and say she wasn't supposed to have it. but what I stand to lose my businesses, I stand to lose my livelihood. But I think it's more important uh, with, with everything going on. Well, well,
1: listen to the rabbi. did you hear the sound by played? He looks up. People are in the lobby of the synagogue after services. And he turns around, and hears a man standing with a rifle pointing at him. The man has sunglasses on the kid, the shooter. And the guy starts to shoot. And the rabbi puts his hands up and loses his fingers. But meanwhile, people are dying around them. And a woman throws herself in front of the rabbi and died as a result. Yeah. That's the normal reaction, is to, is to freeze up and lift your hands to protect the bullet, keep the bullet from hitting you. That's the normal response, Sandy.
5: Right, right. And, I have- and
1: yet, wait, mess- in that synagogue, there was a Jewish... Iraq war veteran who actually ran at the shooter. He ran at him. He didn't run away. It's an amazing story that's worth talking about. Iraq war vet who rushed towards San Diego synagogue shooter speaks out. I put it up on michaelsavage.com. It's an amazing story, Sandy. I have to tell it for a minute. He said, I heard gunshots. His name is Oscar Stewart. He heard gunshots. Everybody got up and started trying to get out the back door, so I, for whatever reason, I didn't do that. He didn't run out. I ran the other way. I ran towards the gunshots. He said, I knew I had to be within five feet of this guy so his rifle couldn't get to me. Stewart told uh, the website. So I ran immediately toward him, and I yelled as loud as I could, and he was scared. I scared the hell out of him. Now listen to me. Do you know the dogs respond to uh, command voices? Do you understand that? Do you know the dogs respond to command voices? You do know that. Well, cowards with guns and sunglasses also may respond to command voices. They're usually terrified, scared little children who are insane, and they're picking on targets that can't fight back. But if a man will open up a big voice on him, you can probably disarm him and, and leap on him. So the guy does that. He reaches this guy, Ernest. And the shooter's assault rifle had miraculous, had jammed after firing off six rounds. And then this punk runs out of the synagogue with this man chasing him. Now, this man, Stewart, served in Iraq as a member of the Army from March 03 to April 04. Before that, he worked in the Navy as a bomb disposal tech. And he said, I served in Iraq. I never thought I'd hear gunfire ag- again. He says he credits off due to patrol agent Jonathan Morales... For jumping to action with him. And once the shooter got inside his car, Stewart said Morales joined him and opened fire on the shooter. He said, Clear back, I have a gun. He fired five rounds into the car. Police later caught up with the shooter and arrested Ernest on I 15 and found the rifle in his front passenger seat. He gave up like the little sissy that he is. He gave up like the little sissy that he is. So there's a lot of elements to the story. The gun jammed. Thank God, or more people would be dead. But this man, a war veteran, Oscar Stewart, ran, after, ran at him, even though he didn't know the gun would jam. Do you understand he ran at him before the gun jammed? He had no gun. The gun was his big voice. And he ran toward this guy, and he didn't get killed. It was an act of God that he didn't get killed. And he chased off the uh, gunman on his own. So there's a lot of elements to this story to remember. The same synagogue gunman set fire to a mosque. The FBI got tips about the synagogue shooter's manifesto minutes before the attack. There are heroes of the Chabad, of Poway. And again, before we leave this discussion for a moment, I have another couple of calls. I want to repeat, those of you who are not Jewish or those of you who are Jewish who don't know anything about Chabad, they're amongst the most politically conservative of all the Jewish sects, S-E-C-T-S. There are sects in all religion. They're the most conservative politically. They're very patriotic. They love America. And they're not the furthest things from liberals you could ever imagine. Texas, Laura, line four, you're up on the Savage Podcast. What's your position?
6: Uh, Yes, sir. I just was telling the caller screener that our church implemented something way back, uh, right after 9-11, actually. And uh, we have people that have concealed weapon uh, permits, and they are in mixed in with the uh, congregation at our church.
1: Oh, they're mixed in. They're like the sheepdogs we're talking about.
6: Yes, and uh, also, uh, we have people on the stage also because uh, a lot of these people that do these things, if they come in the back of the church, Mm. uh, nobody's going to see them.
1: Well, why are the back doors left unguarded and unlocked? I don't understand that. Is that a fire law? Is that it?
6: I don't really know, but I know that even at our uh, entrance, when you first come in, we even have people there that. Uh,
1: you well, know. look, I think common sense would would indicate that we're living in a new world now, with a lot of sick people out there who are choosing houses of worship. That, and I think we need we need metal detectors at the front door, and uh, back doors need to be locked from the outside, where they can only be opened from the inside
6: that's true but i don't know
1: what it might be a fire code i don't really know yes but even a fire code would permit you to lock it from the outside and when you push on a bar the door will open from the inside in the event of a fire you push the door and get out now of course that wouldn't stop two or two people from hurting you you have one maniac come in and open the back door and the guy comes in okay so you could say we need an armed guard at the back door as well right
6: do have people yes but if you walked up to the church you wouldn't know who they are they are just
1: i love that but you see you're in a sane state you're in texas yeah i live in the insane insane state of california texas <laughs> i live in the insane state of california where a man can drop his pants and defecate in front of a restaurant <laughs> in the streets and not be arrested he'd probably be taken in for a, a free meal after that by the by the mayor
6: Pretty crazy out there
1: no it's crazy but look I built my life here. I've been here since 1974. I built a beautiful life for myself. And I'm not going to let a bunch of crazy liberals drive me out. They'll go before I do. I can guarantee you. I'll drive them out before I leave. Thank you for the call. I'll drive them out of the state before I leave. I've been a voice of contention I've been the only voice of contention in the city of San Francisco since I began a radio in 1994. I'm only the, I'm, I'm the only alternate voice in this city. The only local guy who came out here and made a life for himself who is not a psychotic liberal. And I have been saying liberalism is a mental disorder and it will destroy us all in the end. Was I wrong? I doubt it. I'm Michael Savage. Thanks for listening.